Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to ask one thing. Do you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this podcast? If that's a yes, why not consider sharing it with them? Message, tag, screenshot, share on stories, whatever you feel comfortable with. I want to be able to help others in any way that I can. Thank you so much for your time and hope you enjoyed today's episode. The last thing I'm trying to do is add a layer of logic that is not sound. Because when you add layers of logic that are not vetted or sound, you're not going to get the right answer. You're now tuned into Tender Love and Cash, the place where ambitious men and women turn to for business strategies that not only skyrocket their profits, but also position them to serve the masses and make money doing what they love. I'm Amber Anthony, profit booster, efficiency driver, strategy specialist, and lover of all things analytical. And I'm going to help demystify difficult topics and concepts, crunch the numbers, and use real data to craft a strategic approach that supports business owners with a solid framework to operate a well-planned cash-generating machine. I can't promise to tell you what you want to hear, but I'll guarantee you'll get the guidance you need to hear to launch, grow, and build the business of your dreams with confidence. Let's dive in. Today, we're going to talk about partnership breakdowns. And I know so many of you are familiar with this step one, get your LLC. Because at the end of the day, you can't be taken seriously as a business unless you have some type of a legal business formation or structure. But what is on the internet and what is somewhat misleading is that you have to have an LLC to do business, which that is not the case if you don't want it to be. Let me dive a little deeper into this. You see, LLCs as a business formation are not a tax designation. It is a legal designation. It is there to protect your personal assets. So immediately, I think we'd all agree that if you're going into any type of business, you definitely want to protect your legal assets and keep it separate. Therefore, it does make sense that you would incorporate in some type of way, whether it be an LLC, a partnership, or changing your LLC to an S-Corp or incorporating as a C-Corp from the very beginning. All of these are very different and have different tax structures. But when you're a single member LLC, it is no different than a sole proprietor. The reason that you would go from sole proprietor doing business as to LLC is if you wanted to be protected on the legal side. So the first thing that everybody knows to do is get your EIN and your Secretary of State filing. 
And LegalZoom happens to be one of the biggest providers of that service. I know I myself have gotten many an LLC, many a corporation handled by LegalZoom. And you get the fancy binder with the fancy embossed stamp and all of these tabs that you really never look through unless you absolutely have to. And that is what we are going to talk about in detail today. The importance of looking through the operating agreement or the bylaws, depending, the stock certificates, the changes of membership, or the changes in stock ownership. All of these are incredibly important when things go south. Not if, when. (laughs) When things go south. Because you see that when you go to get your LLC and you have your articles of organization and your statement of information and your operating agreement, you shimmy down to the bank, you hand all of these over and voila, you are in business. But what nobody tells you is how to protect yourself from this legal structure that you just took time and money to create following the step one, how to keep this legal structure from being penetrated. And that's called piercing the corporate veil. So how does one avoid having their corporate veil pierced? Well, number one, commingling. That's why when you get your business formation, step one is get a business bank account. If you don't understand some of these concepts, like what tax effect does each entity encompass? You know, what are the proper bookkeeping and documentation methods to ensure that commingling doesn't happen so your corporate veil isn't pierced? You know, what are the audit prevention procedures? What should be in your operating agreement? How often do you do meetings and minutes, you know, and what are the formalities around that? Yeah, all of that. All of that should definitely be on your radar. How do you handle your stock certificates? You know, that's a whole nother conversation as to what the par is and what the value of the shares are, et cetera. And I'm telling you this because I have executed businesses. I've executed the sale of businesses. I've executed the purchase of businesses and didn't have a great handle on these concepts many years ago. Thankfully, nothing bad happened in in my particular situation. But knowing what I know now after so many years of experience, you know, I was definitely flying blind in those particular areas because they were more advanced. And at the end of the day, when you are acquiring businesses, selling businesses, et cetera, the last thing you're trying to do is pay $750, $2,500 in attorney's fees. But when you don't, they can go south, specifically around the disillusion of the company or the the changing of the company. A lot of people keep the same EIN because credit has been built on that. Not realizing that that previous business owner may or may not have fulfilled all of their legal obligations under that EIN. Mm -hmm. 
And again, thankfully, I have not personally learned that lesson the hard way, but I have seen others who have. And there's a lot of conflicting information on the internet. You can do a gazillion Google searches, but it's always, well, this applies only if this. But then this is applicable when this, you know, and it goes down this whole matrix. It gets very confusing and it's a foreign language. And many times your situation isn't apples to apples to what you're Googling. So you're trying to piece together the logic that fits your situation entirely. Also, too, remember what's happening on the local level is not what's happening on the state level, is not what's happening on the federal level. And then corporate governance as a whole, what happens, you know, in the legal arena is a whole nother can of worms. Corporate law is just a different animal. And I have sat in front of corporate law judges where we have spent hours, if not days, going over the business structure and the joint venture agreements. So many people enter into partnerships and ventures and don't even incorporate, but the other party thought they did, but they didn't. Or even if they did, they didn't maintain proper corporate governance. So all of that is null and void. A lot of times two businesses will come together and operate, but all of the income and some of the expenses are going on one tax return. And then other expenses aren't going. It's, it can get crazy. I have seen wild, wild scenarios. And then when you're trying to separate these businesses or said assets, there has been no clear, definitive line on how to do so. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be defined. It just has to be talked about. It just has to be thought about. It just has to be written down. But LegalZoom doesn't tell you about it. So after you form your company and spend X amount of dollars, which for most new businesses is a great deal of money, even though they tell you there's seven more steps you need to take, you're not going to take them. You're too busy. You're trying to get your first sale. You're not going to take all of those steps and go get all of that counsel within the first month. So what I recommend you do instead, before you even incorporate understand these concepts beforehand. Do your due diligence. You know, there's tons of information on this. Obviously, I'm creating a quick snippet for you just to put it on your radar, but there's tons of information on this on YouTube. You know, just get comfortable with the topic. Before we get back to the show, we just want you to know that if you enjoy the podcast but want to see the visual version of this episode, go check out my YouTube channel linked up in the show notes. Hope to see you there. And the one that I prioritize at a high level, of course, is how it implicates you, you know, from a tax basis, right? because that one is the one that's most shocking at the end. So I like to start there. And then while we're at it, touch on all of the legal matters around corporate governance and formation. 
But these are all things, this is all information you can be building while you're dreaming about, I want to be a business owner, I want to start my business, or if you've already started your business, or if you're already making money in your business, allocate 20 hours. Allocate 20 hours to getting informed about this topic. You spend a lot of time on the marketing side, funnels, media buying, marketing, you know, and then secondary about building a team, leadership, CRMs, customer satisfaction. And this always goes by the wayside. But this one thing, this one area, corporate governance and taxation is what bites everybody in the ass. And usually right at the time when you've made it. So it's a priority. I know I've done a few podcasts on this issue, but today specifically, I just wanted to bring to your attention that if you do in fact incorporate with a LegalZoom type online, take the time to go through every single page of that binder and that booklet. And if you don't understand the steps or don't understand the implications of the steps, then allocate some time to get a really solid handle on it. There are lots of resources out there. I happen to be one of those resources because not only do I have real life experience over 20 years, good and bad, but you know, I've also served as representation and as an advocate for people who, when things go wrong, you know, what do we have to produce in a defense? I need you to be all offense in your business. No defense, all offense, finger on the pulse, everything on your radar, even though it may not be your primary area of expertise. I need you to welcome it. I need you to understand it, maybe not at a cellular level, but at a level where you are proficient and you can have a conversation about it and you can take notes on it, and you can get additional feedback or counsel from multiple sources. Again, so much conflicting information because nothing is apples to apples. And you'll notice when you start to take meetings with professional counsel, they may give you a cookie cutter answer. Unless you're paying, you know, $250 an hour. Then you'll get a custom answer. But again, if you're just doing a quick resource that is inexpensive, you are going to get the answer that fits a certain percentage of companies or scenarios. But it's not a custom answer for you. And I get it. Getting legal counsel is not completely affordable. So you have to do your due diligence. You have to build on the logic. You have to keep notes. And when you're having conversations with professional counsel, legal or accounting, get them to put it in writing. So many people call me. They're completely confused because remember, it's a different vocabulary. And they're trying to explain something to me. And they're saying, oh, well, yeah, they said something about this or about that. And I'm like, can you get them to put it in writing? Send you a quick email, a text, something. Because things are getting lost through translation. 
And most professionals don't have the time to do a one and a half hour deep dive. And as someone who comes in as outside counsel and consulting for a lot of professionals, for their clients, I'll tell you what usually is supposed to be a 15 minute meeting because that's what's on the books. That's what's paid for. That's how firms make their money is by keeping, you know, tight times on the counsel that they're giving, it turns into an hour, not because we're being chatty, not because we're shooting the shit. It's literally because we have to do a deeper dive to get to the exact answer. And I don't want to give any recommendations unless I've done my due diligence. And my due diligence is asking tons of questions and cross-referencing and getting proof Show me your return. Show me this. Show me that 1099. Show me those closing documents. The address is wrong. That's why you didn't get the 1099. That's why the IRS sent you this. You know, it's about gathering all the source documents, which takes time. So what starts out in your mind that can be resolved in 15 minutes because this should be simple, right? No. And the reason you're in this mess in the first place is because somebody only took 15 minutes and told you the cookie cutter advice because that's all that was either in their, you know, what they were offering or frankly in your budget. And I've been doing so many consultations lately that have gone over literally triple the time just so I can check every blind spot because the last thing I'm trying to do is add a layer of logic that is not sound. Because when you add layers of logic that are not vetted or sound, you're not going to get the right answer. And it reminds me of like being at a counselor, you know, getting counseling and you have your hour and you're just getting to the meat and potatoes and you're about to have a breakthrough and, and it's coming and it's happening, right? And it's 56 minutes and you're sort of aware that there's four minutes left, but you're right there, through the, you know, about to have this incredible breakthrough that's taken months to get there. And you literally hit the 60th minute and they're like, okay, time's up. See you next Wednesday. You know, and you've lost that momentum. Same, same. I don't know how you counselors, how you mental professionals do it, honestly. Because every single consultation that I have exceeds the time limit. Again, not because we're being chatty, but because there are so many layers that we're peeling back to ensure that we are thorough and we are accurate. So for those of you that are, you know, in the legal profession or, you know, in the accounting profession, I feel your pain because number one, you know, Doing these deep dives is cost prohibitive for most people. So what do you do? How do you provide excellent service? You know, you don't have time for a 15-minute appointment to turn into an hour and a half to protect somebody. I mean, you're not pro bono. You're not a charity. That's not your business structure. And as business owners, you know, I, I need you to understand that too. And if you're wondering why you're getting subpar counsel, it's because again, look, look at, look at the packages, look at the framework. 
you know, people who have these credentials charge 200 plus an hour. So if you're not paying 200 plus an hour, I assure you, you are getting surface level advice, factual advice, correct advice on the surface level, not taking into consideration cause effect, cause effect, source document, verify source document, verify external document that triggered this, asking the right questions, vetting through, you're not going to get that for under $200 an hour. So even this podcast episode here, surface level, just bringing awareness, just bringing it to your attention, not solving your exact problem because there is no exact problem. Nothing is identical. Everything has its different nuances. So you have to take some responsibility in this process, especially if you don't have the budget. And even if you do have the budget, you still need to take responsibility in this process because not everybody is equipped to do deep dives, best practices. You know, at the end of the day, it's the individuals who really care, care and want to protect and serve. So that would be the first trait or the first quality I would look for in a professional far beyond their credential. Do you care? Do you want to protect your clients at a high level? That is what you need to look for in a professional consultant. 